I'm going to attempt to preach and not be out of breath. Amen? John chapter number three. Is there anybody here excited about Christmas? Man, it's an amazing thing. I hope you have your Christmas shopping done. We all know about gifts. This is a time of year when we have lots of gifts. I'm always amused when I see actual letters written by kids to Santa Claus. I saw this one yesterday. It says, Dear Santa, how are you? I'm good. Here's what I want for Christmas. And then they wrote out an Amazon.com <laughs> link. That way, Santa gets exactly what they want. I also saw, I read this one. Dear Santa, there are three little boys in my house. Jeff is two, David is four, and Norman is seven. Jeff is good some of the time. David is good most of the time. Norman's good all the time. Signed, Norman. <laughs> it's pretty fun. You know, gifts are a fun part of Christmas. I, I love I've gotten into the point in my life, Jesus was quoted in the, uh, not in the gospels, but later on in the epistles that the Lord himself said, it is better to give than to receive. And I am at the point in my life where that is, is exactly it. It's so fun to give at Christmas and to be in a position to give at Christmases. And so many Christmas, like depending on the year, there's seasons. Sometimes you might have seasons of plenty. Sometimes you might have seasons where it's tight. Um, but it's, all, it's fun to give and to, and to want to give. And it's an enjoyable part of Christmas and part of God's good grace to let us enjoy giving and receiving. And I don't know if you've ever thought of this. How, have you ever considered how many times the Bible talks about the birth of Jesus and salvation specifically as a gift? As a gift. Um, in... 2 Corinthians 9, 15, it says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Last week, we considered Isaiah 9, 6, that says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Jesus said to the woman at the well, woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God, and he who it is that talks to you, essentially, he's saying, I'm the gift of God. He, he mentioned himself as a gift. Paul said, uh, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The birth of Jesus is framed in terms of a gift. And today, I want to talk to you about the greatest gift of all, a gift that Paul says in, in this text in 915, this unspeakable gift. It's a gift that can't be described. It's a gift which cannot be explained completely. All we know, all Paul knew in that moment was thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And just as the choir sang about this morning, I'm talking about the gift of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 3:16, we have God laying out for us. The greatest gift of all, and I want you to say it with me and read it. It'll be on the screen if you don't know it. Here's what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him 
should not perish but have everlasting life. I feel like the best gift I could give to you this Christmas is to make that truth very simple and very clear. That verse tells us that God's gift is supernatural. It's not of this world. It also tells us that this verse, that God's gift is terrestrial. It has come to this world. It has to do with this world and its inhabitants. This verse tells us that God's gift is eternal. It's described as everlasting life. It will last forever. It's been called the greatest verse in the Bible and the gospel in a nutshell. One preacher called the verse a Christmas stocking tacked onto the mantle of scripture because in this one verse, you can stuff all the shepherds and angels and wise men and all the characters of Christmas and all the rest of the verses in the Bible that had to do with the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, the, it's God's explanation of the greatest gift of all. So simple that a kid can understand it. I, I was at a Christmas party Friday night and one of our little kids came up with their dad and said, tell pastor, and he said, I got saved this week. Isn't that awesome? This is a, a young girl that understands the gospel. A kid can understand it. I believe kids can get saved. I believe we gotta be careful when we talk to kids about salvation that they don't do it. They don't, they don't embrace that in a, in a way that, where they don't truly repent and understand it. But, but I think it's so simple that a kid can understand it. And it's so profound that the, the wisest philosophers cannot plumb the depths of its, of its profundity. It's so profound. It'll take all of eternity for it to be fully unfolded for you and for me. It's essential that you understand God's gift to mankind. And here are three elements of God's gift at Christmas. Number one, we're going to see the God of Christmas. He says, for God so loved the world. There's only one God. Uh, You are here at Trinity Baptist Church. The word Trinity speaks of this idea of God being one, but also being in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. John 17, three says, and this is a life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. This is talking about the only true God and tells of the fundamental characteristic of who this God is and when the Bible says, for God so loved. God is the one who loved. And it says uh, in 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. Love is what God is and who he does. If you don't ever know anything else about God, if you don't hear anything else I'm gonna say this morning, I want you to understand that God is a God of love. God so loved. That tells me about the origin of Christmas. It tells us where the Christmas story really comes from. It comes from God. This is a phenomenal statement. It was a revolutionary in the time it was Originally written because in those days, the God of the people, think about Greek mythology, gods were angry, gods were capricious, gods were vindictive, vicious. Yet on the pages of the New Testament, the one true God shatters the myth and said, and says, I want you to know that I am a God who loves you. The God, the, the word for love here is the word agape. There are other words for love in the Greek language, but the Holy Spirit, when he wanted to talk about a God who is a who is and a God who loves, he uses the words of agape, the word agape, which means a spiritual self-sacrificing love, a love to the highest degree. For God so loved, it's the origin of love is God himself. The origin of Christmas is God himself. He so loved 
the world. God loved the world. I want you to know God loves you. God loves you. And I don't mean only that God loves you. I mean that God loves you. God loves you. Even the sleeping kid right here. God loves him. God loves the world. Amen? Are you with me? God loves everybody. That was funny. God loves all of us. He loves us so, so, so much. God so loved the world. It tells us that God's love is not like a leaky faucet. It's a running stream. It tells us that God's love is like a flowing river. It tells us that God's love is not a flickering lightning bug, but it's a blinding sun. We have a God who loves us. Uh, You ever heard the hymn, The Love of God? My favorite verse maybe of any hymn is this verse. Could we with ink the oceans fill? And were the sky of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. God loves you. And when he sent his son, he sent his son for you. What an incredible thing. If you've been coming to church a long time and you hear that I'm going to preach on John 3.16 and talk about Christmas, you could probably predict some of the things that I'm going to say. Who agrees with me? You probably could. Okay. Have I said anything that you thought I might say? Okay. Don't let it get past you. Don't let it become old hat to you. Don't let it just become a cliche. God loves you and you don't deserve it. And neither do I. We do not deserve God's love. And yet he gave to us his love. How did he do it? He gave us his love when he gave us, before even that, but in giving us his son. God not only loves the world in its totality, but God loves you individually whoever you may be and whatever your circumstances are, whatever difficulties, hardships you may have going through today, you may feel like nobody in the world loves you. I'm not saying that God's cool with everything you're doing either. You know, God can love you and not like what you're doing. In fact, because God loves you, he doesn't like some of the things you're doing. Because sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. And God can't love you and be for some of the stuff you guys are doing. Me too. I'm like, you guys are sinners and I'm not. Hello. If you want to know if I'm a sinner, ask Megan Jennings. (laughs) We're all sinners. And God loves us anyway. Christmas means that the God of heaven loves you personally as if you were the only one who had ever been born. For God so loved the world. This is the God of Christmas. This verse quickly moves on to a second element that I want to point out. The God of Christmas, the origin of Christmas, the overflow of Christmas. Now number two, the gift of Christmas. Let's just say what it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only 
begotten Son. Gifts express love, and love always gives. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Paul wrote in Galatians about this God who loved me and gave himself for me. Love always expresses itself in gifts. Love always sacrifices itself. We learn through this Christmas gift that God says love is, about, love is something which costs. The gift of Christmas, the birth of the Lord Jesus, is the greatest gift of all because it's absolutely incredible. He gave his only begotten son. God decided to sacrifice his son for the sins of the world, for all the sins of mankind that they would ever commit because the wages of sin is death. This required a sacrificial death. He could not have sent an angel. The only sacrifice that would work was his son. His son had to become like us because God cannot die. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the day came that Jesus stepped out of the splinters of heaven. God gave him to a manger. God gave him to a carpenter shop. God gave him to the hostile words and deeds of an evil world. God gave him to a cross to suffer and die. God gave him to a tomb. It's incredible when you think about the wonderful gift of God's son. God so loved the world that he gave. And not only did God give his son to the world, he also gave his son for the world. If you stop at the cradle and don't go on to the cross, you really don't get the meaning of Christmas. If all you deal with is the birth of Jesus, then you really don't understand the full meaning and magnitude of what happened when God gave his son. God gave his only begotten son. Listen, if we're ever in a situation where it's between I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again because I want you to feel this. If, it's, if we're ever in a situation where it's between you and Ezekiel Wayne Jennings and I get to choose, you're going to be with Jesus. Because <laughs> that's my son. Anybody feel that way about your kids? That's my son. He's a cool kid. He is a mess. He's like his mama. <laughs> and to give him up for somebody else, that is a gigantic deal. God did not spare his only son. He gave him up freely. Won't he also give us all good things? That's what the Bible says. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the indispensable gift. It is the gift that you and I so desperately need. It's the only gift that brings you and me salvation. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That leads me to this final element. The offer of Christmas. Here it is. You want to know what the offer is? God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Here's the offer. That whosoever, point to whosoever. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
We have the God of Christmas. We have the gift of Christmas. But now this greatest gift of all tells us about the offer of Christmas. And it tells us the meaning of the birth of Jesus is something which extends to everyone, whosoever. This verse is for everyone. Find that old man tottering on his cane, heading to a Christless grave, and tell him that God loves him and wants to save him. Find that young business guy that's just starting his career and tell him that Christ loved him and died on the cross to save him. Find that college kid, that high school girl, that middle school boy, find that elementary school kid and tell them that Jesus loves them and wants them to have eternal life. Find that young mother sitting here in this building today struggling to raise those children or that single person who's feeling more alone at Christmas time and tell them that God loves them, that Christ died for them and wants them to be saved. Find that man without a home, that immigrant from another country, that person that doesn't even speak your language. Find that person that doesn't vote the same as you or live in the same place as you and you tell them Jesus loves you and God sent his son to die for you. Why? It's for whosoever. I've always been glad the Bible says whosoever. Put your name in there. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if Ben would believe he would not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to notice too that it rescues from hell. Did you see it in that verse? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And you may ask me, and you seem like a somewhat educated guy. Are you standing in this Sunday service in the midst of this politically correct generation and this culture like we're living in today, and you're telling me that there's a real place called hell. That's exactly what I'm telling you. There's a heaven to gain, and there's a hell to shun. And I can't believe John 3, 16, and believe that everybody's just gonna get to heaven. The provision has been made for everyone to get to heaven, but not everybody that's even talking about it is going there. You can't get there on your own good works. You get there by the work of Christ. And the Bible says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Every person who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior is headed to, to an eternity separated from God in hell. If that's you, then sadly, my friend, you're on the way to hell. You've all heard that song, I'm on a highway to hell. That is a shocking song. Not something to celebrate. God's Christmas gift will rescue you from hell. It says that they sh if they believe in him, they should not perish, but, you like that word but? But have everlasting life. That's the hinge of the verse. It turns the whole meaning of from, from death to life. We move from agony to glory. We move from hell to heaven. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What that means is that God gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be born in a manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago and sent him to die on a cross in order that you and I can be forgiven of our sins and receive the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation, and spend eternity in an incredible place called heaven. Should not perish, but have 
everlasting life. Have means here and now. It means you can have it right here and now. People think of eternal life as something that I get one day. Eternal life is something you receive now. When you accept Christ, you're given eternal life. It starts now and it lasts forever. Jesus said, he who lives and believes in me will never die. You're like, Pastor Ben, I know some Christians that died. Their body died. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. <laughs> it's awesome. Amen. You can have it now. Now you might ask, how do you get it? I'm interested. How do I receive eternal life? It says in the verse, whosoever believeth in him. It's that easy. You put your trust in Jesus. Not that you believe that he exists, but you receive and trust him. Christmas is a time of gifts. You will gather around with family or friends or whoever you get around and you'll be getting gifts. And what you're going to do with that, what are you going to do with those gifts? You're going, are you going to pay for them? You're going to open them up and they're like, oh, look, a gift. What do I owe you? That'll be 1995, right? Like, you don't owe me anything. I got it from somebody else and I'm just re-gifting. You do that. I know you do that. No one's ever actually ever eaten a fruitcake. It's never happened. Okay. You don't pay for it. You receive it. Are you going to work for it? Are you going to beg for it? No. All you're going to do is take it and thank them for it. That's the meaning of Christmas. That's the meaning of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. From 1986 to 1990, a guy named Frank Reed was held hostage in a Lebanon cell. Lebanese cell. For months at a time, Reed was blindfolded, living in complete darkness, or chained to a wall and kept in absolute silence. You can read about it in a Times article written at the time, a uh, Time article, that magazine, remember that? On one occasion, he was moved to another room, and although blindfolded, he could sense others in the room. Yet it was three weeks before he dared peek out to discover he was chained next to two men, Terry Anderson and Tom Sutherland. Although he was beaten, made ill, and tormented, Reed felt most the lack of anyone caring. He said this in that article. I began to realize nothing I did mattered to anyone. I began to realize how with withering it is to exist and not a single expression of caring around me. I learned one overriding fact. Caring is a powerful force. If no one cares for you, you are truly alone. If you're here today and you feel like, you're, like nobody cares, and maybe you feel as though you are alone, I want you to know you're not alone. God loves you. How do I know? Jesus Christ was sent as God's gift to die on the cross for you. It is the goal of our church to love everybody we can. And we're striving to do that. I've, I've not been around a more loving group of people than the people of this church. Almost all of you are loving. I'm joking. You're all loving. but we're imperfect. 
Sometimes we get selfish. Sometimes we're more worried about traditions than people. Sometimes we're more interested in our own lives than we are in the lives of others. And you know what that, you know what that means? We're human. Jesus was human, but he wasn't like that. He loved perfectly. He never did anything wrong. Everything he did was right. He always did the right thing and he always did it for the right reason. He didn't excuse people's sin. He acknowledged it. Sometimes he called people to repent. And the most serious thing he could do for our sin is to lay his life down for our sin on the cross. And what I want you to know is even though you may feel alone, you are not alone. God loves you. He loves you so much. He so loved the world, and that includes you, that he gave what was most precious to him, his only son, so that if you would put your trust in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. Elmer Towns describes John 3.16, and I loved how he did it so much that I put it on the screen. I want to put it on the screen for you now. I believe this sums up the meaning of Christmas and the great Christmas gift. For God, the greatest being, so the greatest degree, loved. You know, God doesn't love like we do. He loves perfectly. He loved the world, the greatest affection, and the greatest object of love, that he gave the greatest act, his only, the greatest treasure, begotten, the greatest relationship, son, the greatest gift, that whosoever, the greatest company, believeth the greatest trust, in him, the greatest object of faith, should not perish, should not perish, should not perish, but have right now the greatest assurance, everlasting. You know what that means? Never ending, eternal, the greatest promise, life, the greatest blessing. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundant." The reason why these 30-something individuals spent the last four or five months trying to hit the right notes, cut off at the right time, sing without being flat, try to keep our eyes on dawn so that we all cut off together, is not because we want to be great musicians and be lauded, although I think they did an incredible job. They wanted to sing about the gospel and to give us the opportunity to invite you to come so that you could know that if you were to die, there's hope for you. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the greatest gift ever given by the greatest giver who loved you so much, there's a choice to make. We don't want you to perish. We want you to have eternal life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?